It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I want to let you know that in this episode with comedian Maria Bamford, we talk about when she's contemplated suicide and how she got help when she needed it. If you or someone you love is at risk of suicide, please go to suicidepreventionlifeline.org to find resources and someone to talk to. There's a link in our show notes, too. My mom said when I, I, I played the violin starting when I was three years old, and she said, as soon as I got up on stage, I lit up. And, um, and I think that's always been the case for me, that I feel good. Um, in front of people. Uh, and I think it is the perceived sense of control. Of course, you have no control at all. Uh, but the idea that I, I might, with a microphone and a, and a light bulb on, in my face, um, seemed very attractive to me and still does. This is Death, Sex, and Money. That's life. Sorry. The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot. You must pay the rent. But I can't pay the rent. And need to talk about more. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you speaking to me or sleeping with someone else? I'm Anna Sale. Maria Bamford is turning 50 this year. She started doing stand-up back in her early 20s, in public. But she was working on bits much earlier, when she was growing up in Minnesota. I was a shy kid. Um, My mom and my sister are kind of the bigger personalities in our family. My dad would give me a a timed set at dinner time to talk. He would set a timer, and I'd get three minutes. Oh, (laughs) starting like when? How old were you? I don't. I think maybe seven or eight. I remember the feeling of like you you got to say something really good right now. (laughs) Like you got to say something like (laughs) killer. Like okay. there are these, okay, Miss Labadee, fifth grade, she told me about these bodies in Amsterdam that were found beneath the bogs, fully formed human <gasps> beings with skin on, and they're still there, but they're from the 1400s. That's my time. Thank you very much. <laughs> like, it had to be good. <laughs> okay, a volcano um, covered an entire village full of people, and you can see them running in the ash. Anyways, okay, that's my time. Good night, everybody. <laughs> it was also, yeah, a lot of death. I, I think I was always sharing some horrible story. Maria has since made a career out of excavating dark material, a lot of it from her own history with mental illness. She's dealt with intrusive thoughts, mania, depression, and suicidal ideation. I have done very well with mental health shtick, and I was, uh... (laughs) But I've been feeling so good the past several years, um, I don't have any new material about it. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, maybe I should worry about that. Uh... But then I remember that I'm on antipsychotics and it is no longer possible for me to worry. This is from her new special called Weakness is the Brand. And it turns out there is a bit of mental health shtick and also a lot about money. I may be mental, but I'm also a millionaire. 
You have a line in your new special where you say, I may be mental, but I'm a millionaire. I'm a mil- yeah, a millionaire. Yeah. Uh, and, and what have you found that are your priorities when it comes to how you give your money and how you spend it? Um, well, boy, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not... I'm not the greatest person. Like, um, I spend a lot on clothes and food. Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, uh, I think we spend around 1500 to 2000 a month on, on food and dining dining out, which I think is uh, above av- average. Is that something, are you a person who, like, spreadsheets month to month what's yeah. happening with your money? Well, here's the deal. I you can't say that you're in twelve step programs publicly because um, apparently there's it's a cult, and you, <laughs> but I've been in those groups for about thirty years, and then one of them I've been in is money oriented. Um, there are two that are called um, there's one called Under Earners Anonymous and one called Debtors Anonymous, and that it part of the sobriety in those programs are to yeah just be conscious of what. Uh, you're spending not not in a judgmental way. It's sort of like either you know just so that you have uh, some choices. At what point in your life did you realize that that going to a group, a support group around money management, was was something you needed to do? Uh, well, it was part when I didn't have a place to live. I c- couldn't afford the rent I was in, and um, I had uh, hawked everything that I had at the time. So, uh, yeah. So, and I, I, I didn't want to. Uh, ask anybody for for money anymore, and I didn't have an answer. And I was in another twelve step pro- program, and uh, they said, "Hey, there's this other thing uh, that you can get help emotionally about how to how to figure out how to live." Maria was 24 at the time, living in LA and trying to make it as a comedian, but she struggled to cover rent and food. Although I had a college degree, I just did not know how to um, get and keep a full-time job, much less a part-time job. I worked mostly in restaurants, which when I moved to Los Angeles became problematic because people are restaurant professionals. There, you cannot be bad at it and uh, <laughs> keep the job. Uh, and the great things about 12-step groups that I love so much, they can't kick anybody out of 12-step groups. Um, that is one of their rules. Uh, so you can go sit there with a bottle of Jack Daniels and a Big Mac and uh, yell out expletives. Um, they'll probably tell you to go to the back of the room, but uh, yeah, I did, you don't have to believe in any of this stuff. And the one thing I do believe in is though is that groups cognitively, it was science, you know, scientifically help help each other um, when we get together. And, there, and there's a lack of shame, you know. Uh, people, I got the support of how to have keep a job, what I might be good at. I ended up getting a uh, temping and then be getting a full-time secretarial job. Um, and then, yeah, how to sh- show up and um, pay bills. And the one thing, which is so totally common sense, but it's the kind of thing that you need somebody to tell you when you're in a crisis. They said, call everybody you know to try to find uh, a couch to sleep on. And I just... I mean, it just didn't even come to mind. So I did that, and I mm. found a place uh, temporarily, and she um, she said I could pay her uh, rent in payments over because I just had no money. And, um, yeah, and obviously I, I just want to say I acknowledge that I am uh, uh, was raised a upper-middle-class white lady uh, with 
yeah, every single benefit. Uh, yeah, so a silver spoon in my mouth and s- somehow still had difficulties <laughs> figuring it out. It's interesting to me that part of what you learned in group was a, just guidance on how to ask for help. Yeah. Um, no, that was the main thing because I, I didn't, even with secretarial jobs, I'd go, so if I don't know how to do it, you just ask. And they're like, yeah. Like, <laughs> just, I thought you should intuitively, if you are smart, you should intuitively know how to answer all the calls on a switchboard. Yeah, it, it bizarre. But that is, it, it, that's what I thought. That is what I thought. Having unsteady work meant Maria was uninsured, which led to about $6,000 in medical debt after an allergic reaction to antibiotics sent her to the hospital. She said that took her about 10 years to pay off. She finally got health insurance through the Screen Actors Guild when she started picking up voiceover work. I began getting voiceover work because I was working as a secretary at an animation studio. I got my first voiceover job and... um, that's how it happened? Yes, It yes. wasn't through, like, your agent lining no, you up? No, I, I think it's most mo- things mostly happen through proximity of, like, oh, this person's over here. Why don't we, why don't we give them a shot? Like, I, huh. I, 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 that's what I always tell people. Just get near it. Get near whatever you want to be. <laughs> what has that meant in terms of your mental health care to just to have reliable health insurance? What's changed in terms of, like, the kinds of care that you get and what it's like? It's unbelievable. I mean, it's the only reason I think I would be alive today is that I part I had no qualms about uh you know going to the hospital when I was felt a danger of hurting myself uh right away. You know, like I I, I knew that there were, I had mental health coverage <laughs> which it, through my union you have to earn to get <laughs> Mm -hmm. That is so bizarre. You've got to earn over a certain amount to deserve the mental health coverage. What? Um, So, but, uh, yeah, I'm extremely grateful. Yeah, the whole thing, I believe I I was hospitalized twice uh, under my insurance, and that was um, around 30 to 30 30 grand uh, a pop. Um, And uh, Glendale Venice Medical Center, shout out to the Adventists. Uh And then once I went to the wrong hospital, I went to Los Encinas Hospital, and they did not take my insurance, (laughs) which was so funny because (laughs) I I was kind of I was des- desperate, so I just said, okay, well, I guess I'll just stay. And they said, well, in order to stay, you have to write us a check for three grand <laughs> to cover your, three, you know, your 72 hours here, which is so funny just because a sign of mania is spending enormous amount of money uh, for huh. impractical reasons. And uh, it just seemed uh, very much on point for the whole situation. Did you do that? <laughs> uh, yes. Did you write I, the check? I certainly did. Oh, my God. Yeah, just because I was scared and I thought, I don't I, I don't want a chance um, m- me not being willing to go someplace else. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of amazing to get there to the hospital. And then, yeah, so it just felt like, uh, yeah, I was kind of... Also, I was a bit out of it, you know, uh, not in my best mental health. So uh, perhaps I would have made a better decision had I felt felt better. Um, but in retrospect, I do have some good, some great memories of of um, 
people came to visit, and my parents came to visit me when I was uh, in the hospital. Or my mom did. My dad did not. My dad, uh, I think, I, I have a, I've never talked to him about it, but I have a feeling it was uh, too upsetting. I'm not sure what was going on. My mom has has been uh, hospitalized as well for uh, mania, so she was she was a great visitor. <laughs> she was mm. very mellow. She's like, well, let's just go sit by the cigarette bucket and page to this Oprah. Is the food any good? Oh, God. <laughs> that must have been so comforting to have somebody with you who understood. Yeah, it was it was comforting. I mean, I was super mental, not I was feeling terrible, so nothing uh nothing was good. Anything good is only in retrospect if, if you've ever had a a breakdown or a psychosis or mental, it's uh it's not good. It's not good uh, the whole time and that's why you want to kill yourself is cuz uh it's unbearable. Um but I'm so grateful that people came to visit me cuz uh you remember that for the rest of your life. I mean, I re- I remember those friends who were able to do that. How old were you when your mother was hospitalized? Um, it was around the same time. My mom had a hospitalization probably a year before I did. Do you, did you visit her? Uh, well, that is the sad thing. I didn't. Um, yeah, I didn't. Uh, there's nothing more to be said than that, except that I didn't. And that's, I feel... Uh, ashamed for that. Now, um, I, I I hope I hope that I've changed as a person because, and at at the time, I you know I I wasn't totally doing that great either. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll try to have compassion to people who who can't make it to the hospital either. Um, that. Um, it's it's can be not only inconvenient but also super uh, uncomfortable. And I think I was afraid. My mom and her mania was pretty uh, angry, and uh, it was f- f- frightening. So uh, uh, as as it can be uh, sometimes, I'm sure I was frightening too. So I'm grateful that people <laughs> came to visit me when I was frightening. Maria's hospitalizations were back in 2011. Coming up, Maria talks about the ways she takes care of herself these days, including being disciplined about taking two days off a week. It's funny how hard it is, you know, even as the head of one's own business to say, oh, I, yeah, I'm going to take the days off. And it's especially ridiculous when it's show business and there are somehow show business emergencies. Like, (laughs) that is Last week, we told you about a new money-related project we're working on, and we asked you to help us out with it by sharing the big financial uncertainties that you're dealing with right now. One listener named Maya sent in a voice memo from the UK about how her budget feels tight, even though she's in a high-paying industry. It's a lot of pressure because everyone thinks, I have a law degree, and that means I'm earning a lot of money. But at the moment, I'm drained financially, I'm drained of energy, and I just have to keep going. Between paying her bills, finishing up her legal training, and sending money to family members back home, Maya said the stress is getting unbearable. I'm in two mindsets, the first being, there's nothing you can do, you're working two jobs, you're studying, you're doing everything you can. 
that the other part just can't sleep because this lack of control, this constant pressure, phone calls from the bank, it's just getting overwhelming. So I don't know what to do. We want to hear from you too. Maybe you're a young adult struggling with financial independence, or you're going through a big transition like a job loss, a medical diagnosis, or starting a family. Or maybe you and your partner just can't figure out how to make money work together. Keep sending us your questions about feeling financially stuck. Record a voice memo or send an email to us at deathsexmoney at wnyc.org. On the next episode, I talk with a listener who's getting divorced now about all the ways he rationalized cheating on his wife with sex workers he hired on the Internet. It was a transaction, you know, to a certain extent that, um, you know, one of my justifications was, you know, I had, I had a therapist, you know, that I went and talked to. I had a massage therapist, you know, and I, and I paid these people, you know, to, to interact with me in a certain way. Um, the fact that it was transactional made it easier to compartmentalize and say, like, this is, this is cheating, but in a different kind of way. This episode is brought to you by Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he will chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. We have had a lot of exciting new things to share with you about the show recently, but this might be some of our biggest news yet. Death, Sex, and Money is officially going to be live in New York City at the Tribeca Festival on June 11th. And I want to personally invite you to the live taping we'll be doing with the legendary journalist Kara Swisher. If you know Kara's work, you know her ability to get people to tell her things is unmatched. And she does it in her signature, hard-charging way. She's not afraid of things getting a little combustible. I have a slightly different interview style, so we're going to talk about that and play around with that in experimental ways that I think will make this a special show unlike any of our other live shows up to this point. 
And it's not often that I get to do a live Death, Sex, and Money show in New York, so I really hope to see you there. Whether you're in the city, on the East Coast, or just been looking for a reason to visit New York City, come on June 11th for this show. You can get tickets now at TribecaFilm.com slash Death, Sex, Money. We are so excited to see you there. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. You have a joke in your in your latest special about online therapy. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Are you an advertiser for BetterHelp.com? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I've been paying this one woman online therapy 200 bucks a month. She just texted me, Christine, of course you're stressed. You just had a baby. <laughs> and it was helpful. Well, I signed up for it because I thought I'm on the road so much and it is I have to drive to go see my therapist in L.A., who I love. But she's also uh, 175 bucks a pop, which is uh, well-deserved. Everyone deserves to get paid. Get that money. Um, and I thought, but I thought, oh, I'll do a cost savings. So I signed up and then she texted me, Christine, of course you're stressed. You just had a baby. And... So does that really happen? No, of course. Of course it really happened. I think when you shout on stage, and it was helpful, <laughs> I just, because that's so, it's so true. Like, it would have been helpful. Like, like, therapy, we think is so much about getting in our own heads and have yeah. somebody like, alongside our own heads. But having somebody say, Christine is also stressed out because yeah, she has yeah, a baby. Guess what? Guess what? <laughs> guess what? You selfish hobo. Um, you know, <laughs> what about Christine and her baby? Um, um, you know, that's totally, totally true. I mean, and I do believe that, that going for help, even if you get super shitty help, can be buoying. I, you just got to keep asking for, for, for help, though, that, that, that uh, finding help is like, uh, is not unlike dating, where you just, yeah, just got to wait for the good match. Um, or find somebody who's just sort of good, sort of, who's geographically close to you uh, and takes insurance. Speaking of dating, I want to ask you about marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious, you you have noted that that before you married your husband, Scott, both of you had had... A lot of relationships, n- none of which had lasted tremendously long. Oh, yeah. um, when you first met him, did he seem like somebody that was that you might spend a long time with? Well, I had met so many people. Um, I think the thing that was different was me. Uh, you know that um, I had met lots of uh, uh, people, um, but I-, I definitely hadn't had that willingness of like. If somebody's willing to work it out, let's do this. Like that, that, um, I, that was the thing that really cemented us together was both saying, come on, mm. <laughs> we, we can Keep succeed trying. at this. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like, um, uh, cause I, I really connected with him on, on that experience. I mean, of course, he's a hot, handsome hunk of uh, wonderful love. 
and he's right and there in the person. control room. And he's can, right there in the control room. I can see him. Ah, so sweet. <laughs> um, and and he, you know, had experiences where he was okay with not only be, be being a comedian, which sometimes people have a hard time with uh, for whatever reason. Uh, he didn't have any problem with me having any mental health issues, and also. Uh, this was pr- after having a breakdown. I felt like, oh, I need to be perfect in some way or be at my best to be in a mm. relationship. And then seeing people who were in the psych ward with me who were married and had loving spouses. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't have to. Don't wait for it. Don't wait for it to be perfect. So seeing fellow patients helped you shift about what you could expect and deserve. Yeah, because I, I think also, that, I don't know if that's a thing in New York or in the rest of the country, but L.A. definitely has, like, when you really, when you really get yourself, I mean, you get to your core and you get your core issues done, and then you go to a remote uh, camping uh, yurt in Big Sur, that's kind of when you're going to be ready to, like, I mean, it's all these added things that you have to have in place before you're going to be loved, be lovable. Um, And to find out um, that is not true. Maria met her husband, Scott, through online dating in 2013. They married in 2015 when they were both over 40. And Maria is open in her act about how learning how to be in a relationship and dealing with conflict takes some adjusting when you're both bringing a lot of history into it. So uh, my husband won't speak to his experience, just that he grew up in a big family, Philadelphia. Uh, There's no food because somebody was drinking it all. And (laughs) though he had a place to live, he would oftentimes, for safety, sleep in the woods. Forty years later, we're trying to decide where to put the new TV. (laughs) Maria says they've learned the importance of taking a break when a fight really gets going. There is a point where you got to, you've got to stop. Take twenty minutes, get distract yourself in any way you can, uh, and because otherwise you will say or do something that you regret. Um, that it's kind of like an animal instinct. Uh, once you get flooded with too much, uh, whatever it is, anger, fear, uh, stuff, and and that was really helpful to be compassionate to each other to say, okay, let's let's stop. Uh, right now, and you know, uh, I'll go in this room. I mean, not it didn't happen cleanly at all. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not. It, it was uh, very messy, uh, but but I'm proud. You know, we've we've uh, we've done a lot of uh, uh, work to and to to become better at, at having conflict. That it's okay to have conflict. What was messy about like calling the timeout? Um. Because there's so many feelings involved with it. Like, my go-to in how I grew up uh, or my way of managing emotions would be to – I'd get overwhelmed and I'd go and contemplate my own death. Uh, I've done that since I was eight eight years old. So that's my go-to. I like to mm-hmm. uh, isolate myself and then go weep uncontrollably into a cracked mirror and think about how uh, I – uh, I'm a terrible person, and nobody loves me, and um, I want to die. So uh, that could be disturbing for someone to watch <laughs> who's mm-hmm. in a fight with you. Uh, Scott has his own way of uh, dealing with things. Um, 
he likes he goes on a long walk uh sometimes and uh which at first he he wouldn't tell me where he was going which is which of course that's the purpose of the walk is to get away from the, get away from the person um so but then you're worrying or feeling then abandoned you're or something worrying. i mean yeah, yeah it's just and and also he, it's the same thing what am i doing like Marie, you can't go contemplating your own suicide what are you doing? Like, you can't. These are not ways to handle conflict. So, um, but uh, I think we've we've both uh, learned to uh, try things a little differently. Like having that heartbeat of a second to go. Okay, this is the thought that I'm having. Do I really need to go into this uh, weeping uncontrollably? Like. Uh, could I do something slightly different than what I'd usually do? Um, yeah, that has given, uh, I think, us both some space to do things uh, differently. But, but yeah, not, it's, I think that's the thing I found really shameful that it was harder for me to talk about was, like, that we weren't having um, attractive fights, <laughs> Like or yeah. or something where it's like you could see that on a sitcom. Well, you do this. Well, you do that. Boo, you know. And it's like that was part of the reason I I think I think I probably didn't have uh, uh, any long term intimate relationships because once feelings get out of control, I didn't know how to manage them. Um, mm. So uh, and I, I think my my husband had a, a very different but similar experience of like not. Uh, not knowing uh, what to do once things get to a certain point. Um, the both of us are our, our main solution was, oh, you just leave. <laughs> you just leave. Yeah, that's interesting to me because in my arguments in my marriage, it's the like stopping the arguing because we're both like trying to convince the other one oh. that would be really hard with the timeout. Yeah. But it sounds like for you all, the like, coming back together after you take a break. Yeah, and some things aren't ever going to be solved. Like, uh, at least uh, that's—I know that's true in friendships. I know that's true in my family relationships. Also, the, the, the romance of, like, if, if it's meant to be, if it's meant to be, you should never, you know, like, or it's always <laughs> supposed to feel good. And I've never had that, not only in any romantic relationship, but definitely with friendships and family. Like, I've never felt like— you know, <laughs> me and my sister were meant to be. <laughs> my sister drives me bananas, um, though I, lo- I love her dearly. Like, you know, like, like that's that's always happened. It's going to keep happening. There are issues that will never be solved. That's comedian Maria Bamford. Her new special is called Weakness is the Brand. It's streaming a lot of places, including Amazon, iTunes, and Google Play. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios in New York. I'm based at the studios of the investigative podcast Reveal in Emeryville, California. Our team includes Katie Bishop, Annabelle Bacon, Afi Yellow Duke, Emily Botin, and Andrew Dunn. Our intern is Ayo Osubamiro. The Reverend John Delore and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. And thanks to Will Quintel in Alaska, who is a sustaining member of Death, Sex, and Money. Join Will and support what we do here by going to deathsexmoney.org slash donate. 
I'm on Twitter at Anna Sale. The show is at Death, Sex, Money on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Maria told me one of her favorite go-to marriage advice sources are the Gottmans, two husband and wife psychologists. We've linked to a classic This American Life episode about them in our show notes. Part of what the Gottmans warn about, as Maria knows, are the four horsemen of relationship communication. It's a uh, criticism. You, that's a stupid sailboat. Contempt, you and your fucking sailboats. Defensiveness, what? What sailboat? And uh, stonewalling. I'm never going to talk about sailboats with you again. I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.